Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. Hey, Christy. Hello. How, How are, are you it? today? Oh, we jinxed it. I know. It's like pinch poke, yummy, a Coke. One, two, three, four, seven, nine, ten. <laughs> I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> Did you not play that game when you were a kid? If no. you say the same thing, pinch poke, yummy, a Coke, and no. then you count to 10. And if the other person says stop, they don't owe you the Coke. But if you get to 10 before they say stop, then they owe you a Coke. Well, you didn't count you to did. 10, so I don't owe you a Coke. Yeah, you did. I did two counts to 10. That's how fast it was. <laughs> okay. Next time I see you, which will be the first time I see you, I'll bring you a Coke. Okay. It, I don't really like Coke. <laughs> I'll bring you uh, a bottle whiskey. of wine. <laughs> whiskey, wine. Yeah. yeah, that'd be way better than a Coke. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we ever said that growing up. I, it's Coke, that seems like so long ago. <laughs> The key is you have to learn to count to 10 super fast because then that way they can't tell you stop. Yeah. It's, it's funny because my niece is learning all those things that we learned when we were kids now, but she says them slightly wrong just because she gets the words confused. Right. And so I'll be like, no, it's this. And she gets so mad. She's like, no, it's not Aunt Cat. It is not that. You are wrong. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but it's so funny. Um, How are things in Atlanta? Oh my gosh, the weather is freaking amazing. Like 71 degrees, beautiful outside. I'm sorry, you've got a not happy look on your face. Well, and it's not it's not bad. It's 48 and cloudy today, but it's better. Like my mood improved immensely this week. So, which everybody needed. Oh yeah, cuz well, cuz we didn't get hit with that winter storm, but you got stuck in it, right? Yeah, we, we were in it for a while. Like, and did you have power the, outages? Um, we we did not, but a couple of the properties that I helped take care of, you know, went over and the furnaces were off. Toilets full of ice, like not like really bad. <laughs> and, I mean, you know, it, like you're over there and you're thinking, how does this happen? And 
I mean, blocks of ice in the toilet, like in the back of the toilet. And then, you know, you, you hear like all the stuff that's happened in Texas and you're just like, I see how people froze to death. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah that was a lot. Tragic, obviously just awful. Um, especially yeah. in the United States that shouldn't happen, but that's a whole other that's a whole other episode. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll send you on another podcast for yeah. that. We, we talk, talk about, about bikes. bikes. Sometimes <laughs> we get a little feisty and talk about women's issues and bikes. But I have some fun news What's that I'm going to make sure is out by Tuesday. Okay. We have a new design and logo for Girls Gone Gravel. I don't even know. Have I seen it? You saw I think, it. I think you sent it to me. Yeah, you did. You, you did. wanted a flask with it. That's right. Are you, you're talking to Allie Tetrick. She's the one that wanted the flask. Oh, maybe. <laughs> uh, so cool. Um, it should be on all of the new stuff this week. Uh, and I'm pretty excited. It's actually Celine uh, linked me up with a woman. Her name is Emily. And she did a bunch of design. Nice. Um, for their event in Vermont. And she's just rad. So good. Well, that's I'm awesome. excited. Because, you know, when we started this, I was like, I don't know. We'll see if it picks up, if anybody is interested at all. So it kind of was like a logo I never loved. Um, but you got to love your logo. Yeah. But I'm just not a design person. I'm like, eh, that looks fine. But I actually really love this. And uh, I think we're actually going to put some shirts in the store. Nice. I'm tell Ellen to put some shirts in the store. So Ellen, Ellen shirt. put some shirts in the store. Ellen, could you put some shirts? It's, it's really nice because they do that, you know, um, the live feisty store where all of our stuff is it's mm-hmm. the prints as you go. Thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you order it and then they print it, which helps like when you're a small thing, right. you have a lot of money all to the cost it. down and all that. Right. Yeah. So I can tell her like five minutes before, can you put a shirt in the store? And it's there. It's magic. <laughs> that live feisty team, man, you guys are best. on it. They're the best. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we had a really interesting referral that referred both you and I to today's podcast guest. Yes. Peter Stetna. We've been trying to connect. Um, I had some, I had dinner with Pete Stetna in Tahoe outside, like clear back in what, October. And he suggested Kathy Pruitt and we kind of connected and circled around and things happened and we didn't get her on. And then he also suggested that Kathy come on to you. So you re resurface all of that. And we finally got her on and it's such a fun story. Like I went on and totally girl crushed on her. Um, after the, after the podcast, I had a little bit before, but then actually really got into like, like the moto bike downhill stuff. Insanity. She started riding motorcycles when she was like three or five or something something crazy like that. So, so when her parents finally made her stop riding motorcycles, she started riding a bike, which was like at 13 or something. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I think people will, will like, besides just getting to know Kathy is she gives us a lot of scoop for how to ride downhill because she was a downhill racer. So I was taking notes during that part for sure. And realized I need some new sunglasses after some tips she shared with us. Yep. Well, not sunglasses, some new lenses. Yes. So good tips. Yeah. So we will get on to our interview with Kathy Pruitt. Hey, Christy. Hi, Catherine. Hey, are you thinking about your 2021 gravel adventures? 
I don't know who isn't thinking of 2021 gravel adventures. I know. Well, I kind of have a new bucket list race. What is it? It is a gravel stage race right outside of Calgary, Canada called the Trans Rockies Gravel Royale. Have you heard of this? Um, you know what? I have. I think it sounds amazing. Four days, four days of riding, 230 miles, 23,000 feet of climbing, and it's all in the Canadian Rockies. I think that sounds epic. Yeah. It's set up where they carry your tents, cook your food, and provide your medical support and more. And like set up a big party every night. That is the best kind of glamping right there. Yeah, it's really the only kind of glamping I will do. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> and you know what's cool is they are holding early bird spots for women because they're really working to get more women on the starting line. So if I people are that. interested, where do you think they should go, Christy? Uh, TransRockiesGravelRoyale.com. I bet that site's got all the information. <laughs> I think it does. And fingers crossed we'll be at some awesome 2021 adventure soon. Well, here we go with another show um, for Girls Gone Gravel, and I'm stoked that this week, Catherine and I are welcoming um, Kathy Pruitt. Hi, Kathy. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining me in here with the K's. Yeah. I know. It is the K, all the K's here today. Are you a Catherine, too? I'm actually a Kathleen. Kathleen, oh, yeah. Mix it up there. You know, for some reason in the like work world when I used to go to an office and stuff and I would meet different men they always called me Kathleen like they just always make my name Kathleen that's so funny I usually get called Catherine or Katie or something yeah I'm like it's Catherine but anyway it's old school I guess Kathleen I have old parents so you know they passed on those old school names it's better than Mildred (laughs) was that was that the runner-up uh that's my grandma's name okay I think like runner-up was I think Nancy. Huh. Oh, you you do have old school parents, which I always thought mine were old school, and now I realize how popular the name Catherine is. It's just everybody's Katie. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a pretty it's a cool name. It's fun and cursive when you're trying to learn how to do K's. In oh yes. <laughs> they don't do. I that always way. wanted my name to start with J because I loved mm. the cursive J. <laughs> yeah. My sister has a J. Oh. Yep. Oh. <laughs> I'll tell her someone's jealous. Yep. Jealous of the J. There That's you go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, where are you guys actually about gravel? <laughs> I was going to ask, where are you guys both located? I should have asked earlier. I'm, I'm in Emporia, Kansas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Kansas. And I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta. Okay. And I'm currently in the Bay Area. Nice. Okay. Are you still under pretty heavy lockdown then? Um, well, I, for the last two years, I was living in San Diego and I'm just up here for the week. Okay. Um, I know California has had requests to have lots of lockdown. I I think county by county, people sort of do what they need to do. Yeah. Um, amongst their friends and family. I don't feel like it's gotten any worse the last three months. It's kind of just stayed the same. You know, grocery stores are busy. People don't really want you hiking next to them, stuff like that. Um, So yeah, it's just pretty much the same, but um, definitely nobody's hanging out yet. Yeah. 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 It's the same. 
here. Well, in the city. Then you go to the smaller towns and it's like COVID doesn't exist. COVID what? <laughs> COVID? It's all a conspiracy. <laughs> I can tell you, um, I just got over COVID and it's not a conspiracy. It's real. Well, you're still, I, yes. You're still I having don't some agree of the after effects. So. I'm still what? I said, you're still having some after effects from yeah, it. Yeah, I'm still having a little fatigue, but I'm not contagious. I'm glad to hear that you got over it. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think like most people do end up having a mild case and I definitely had a mild case, but I'm still having some fatigue and a little bit of high heart rate on the bike. Yeah. yeah, I heard there's like a bit of transition to get back on your bike and or exercise after. Yeah. I was doing some intervals at 140 watts and my heart rate was 177. And I was like, oh my God. This is not right. (laughs) I'm going to be riding inside for a little while in case I end up on the side of the road. That's that's good information to know if for people who have maybe caught it or something. So I'll let let others know. Yeah, it's something to definitely check. Like, uh, I work with Celine Yeager on another one of the podcasts that Live Feisty t- does. And she was like, take all intensity out because she's done so much research. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did. And then I was like, you were supposed to check your heart rate on these intervals anyway. And I was like, well, that's high. <laughs> yeah, that's really high. <laughs> but we're, so sorry, we're, we're regressing here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we're here to talk about you, Kathy. <laughs> Um, so tell us about you, tell us how you got into cycling and what you're doing now. Yeah. So cycling, it's a fun sport. I've been involved in two wheels for the better part of, I'd say my whole life. Um, I have a picture of me, you know, my mom's lap with like a baby bottle and a motorcycle helmet. (laughs) Um, I grew up in a motorcycle family as in like, we went to races every weekend and we had like practice bikes and race bikes. And it was like our family thing we did. My mom taught my sister how to ride. That's amazing. nice. And I, I'm like the classic little sister in the diapers, like looking over the chain link fence, like watching my sister ride, like just wanting to be, you know, out there too. So when I finally got the chance, I, I raced motorcycles um, up until I was 12 and then actually raced professionally for a couple of years had a bad accident where parents just really pulled the plug on the whole racing motorcycles deal. Cause they just saw that I had a lot of talent with um, track and field and basketball. So they said, well, we're going to get you a bike so you can ride to track practice, but no more motorcycles because we don't want you to have like seven knee surgeries like your sister. So I, you know, they were trying to make the right decision for me because I would never have made that decision. And so that changed things for me drastically because that's all I knew, right? Until I was like 13. And so I started riding a bike. I gotta, we gotta stop for just a second. How old were you when you started racing motorcycles? Uh, five. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was really lucky. I had really cool parents that (laughs) we didn't go on vacations and stuff, but like we, we went riding and racing and stuff like that all the time. Okay. So from five to 13, you were racing motorcycles. So it must've really been a letdown when they were like, sorry, now you're on a bike. Yeah. It was a huge, um, I mean, at that point, like the biggest life change I've ever had other than like a family member dying or an animal dying or something in your life. 
Um, and at the same time, we were actually moving to a pretty small town from San Jose. We were gonna move to this place called uh, Lake Alamanor. It's in the Lost Sierra. Um, so then, you know, at the same time as I wasn't racing motorcycles anymore, I was discovering this whole like bike, bicycle thing. And there was a local bike shop here. Um, we went into and we got a hardtail. And so for, I think it was like six months, I just sort of like rode around on cross country trails and then I asked pretty early on, once I discovered mountain bikes, um, I think I was in eighth grade, if we could go do a bike race at Donner Ski Ranch, which is in Tahoe. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad's like, sure, let's let's go do this. Um, we'd already been to one in Grant Ranch, which is here in the Bay Area, and it was cross country. And I realized cross country kind of sucked for me because I lost water bottles like the first downhill and I saw people in a truck. I didn't know what they were doing, but they're shuttling because there's a downhill race. And I'm like, they look like they're having way more fun than everybody else, like stressed out at the start line of the cross country race. And like, you know, they were wearing like full face helmets. I recognized it because it was like motorcycles. So I was like, okay, let's go to this one at Donner Ski Ranch. And so we go there, I do really well. I'm like super young, you know, I'm just like, well, this is just like motorcycles, but I don't have a motorcycle, like a motor. And so we kind of stuck with it with help with a couple people who I met at that race, who then introduced my dad to um, a couple people at Santa Cruz Bicycles. And then that like a year later turned into like them helping us out with a bike after one getting stolen out of a garage. And so it was this like sequence of events where I sort of discovered mountain biking, but then I discovered the specific part of mountain biking I wanted to do. That was really a lot like motorcycles. And then I discovered that it was way more fun to go downhill and I was really good at it. And I think my first year racing, I, I made the world championships team as a junior and, you know, flew overseas. And the next year I won junior world championships in downhill and it would have been more than 10 years later after racing world cup for a really long time i discovered cyclocross uh i was recovering from a really bad injury where i had like a punctured lung and and scapula broken and all this stuff and this is from downhill racing right yeah I, i had a bike break on me pretty bad like on a landing of a jump in practice in colorado and yeah, I just, had to be like air backed to the hospital because blood and things were. Yeah. <laughs> For people, yeah. you just described downhill racing because I've watched some videos of it. And I'm like, that was yeah. the most terrifying thing I've ever heard, seen in my entire life. Yeah. So downhill racing on a mountain bike is just like downhill skiing. It's an individual time trial on a single track trail or like fire road. It could be a combination of that and grass. Back in the day um in the 90s in the in the early 2000s we were essentially on like 150 millimeter travel bikes um, Good so i think at some point it like things started improving with suspension like angles changed so that like your head angle wasn't like this <laughs> but it was like that and it became more fun but for a really long time it was like almost riding what people ride in bike parks now like single crown and um, we rode anywhere in a race between 
it's like three minutes to like nine minutes, depending on the conditions and like how big the mountain was. Yeah. So they weren't very long races. But you're going straight downhill is the point. Yeah, you, you were wearing a skin suit and you're wearing a full face helmet and uh, you're on your bike with like 2.5 tires. And going downhill as fast as you can. <laughs> going down as fast as you can, yes. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like I'm thinking about me trying that would be, it would be so funny because, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like... <laughs> <laughs> the first no. time I went to the North Georgia <laughs> mountains and rode my bike, like rode for training on a road bike, my hands were locked in the brake position. Like I could not, after I got down the first hill, I, cause I was just so terrified to go downhill. I know that, was, like, that happens to me on the, on the road bike, like, or gravel bikes. Cause you're just grabbing the brakes so hard. Cause you're on this like fully rigid bike. <laughs> you can't relax. On a downhill bike, it's like you can kind of relax a little more because you're more suspension. And I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to agree with you on that, Kathy. <laughs> but you went from motorcycle racing to downhill racing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See how this goes. Okay, so yeah. Then, so then you were like, okay, enough of that. I'm going to do cyclocross. Yeah. So I was like, again, I didn't intend to race cyclocross, but it was kind of the thing to do at the time in Santa Cruz, and I was going to school and working at a bike shop. And my bike sponsor at the time was like, oh yeah, we'll send you a bike. And I'm like, okay, I have a frame to figure out the rest of the bike. And it's a good way for me to stay in shape and like recover from injury. Cause when you have a lung injury, it's really hard to breathe. And it's really hard to rehab like a broken scapula, broken vertebrae, stuff like that. You know, like moving, I had broken all the ribs. So I was like, I need something. (laughs) So I'll go just cycle cross. I just want to say if any parents are listening, I promise that's not a common thing. Like your kids will not totally destroy get destroyed if you let them out. Christy's <laughs> just like laughing. Like she's just <laughs> Yeah. We all laugh about it now, right? But we weren't laughing when I was like <laughs> Oh god, no. Not at all. I'm just like you're yeah. Your so, propensity for pain and suffering is pretty high, which would make you a great endurance gravel cyclist. <laughs> yeah, I actually was thinking, like, I wonder if that, like, inadvertently, like, was a way for me to have more pain tolerance because I didn't have a choice, you know? Yeah. I'd never thought about that. Um, but, yeah, so I was mountain bike mountain biking really well because I was a motorcycle rider who came into mountain biking. And now sure. um, cyclocross racing is in the mud and snow, so it's really technical uh, for the most part. I really enjoy that aspect, especially single speed, because you don't have somebody racing with you who's just going to mash through the gears. They have to be good through the corners. And it's kind of more of like a uh, technical riding mm-hmm. skill on a single speed bike, which that that's like right up my alley. So I ended up winning single speed cyclocross nationals the first year they had it. I think it was the first year in Bend, Oregon in 2010. And uh, I didn't touch another bike like that until I moved to Southern California two, two, oh, a year and a half ago um, and started working for Canyon Bicycles. And I just wasn't really interested in uh, road biking or cross country riding or I didn't know what gravel riding was. <laughs> I knew what cyclocross was. 
Um, but I found out about this, this thing called Belgian waffle ride. And I was like kind of making one of those lists, you know, that you do, you're like, I need to challenge myself. So I was like, I'll do a half marathon, the rock and roll one in San Diego. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, I'll sign up for this thing. I don't have to travel for, I can do it here. And so I, I got myself a cyclocross bike, um, from an old sponsor, Santa Cruz. And they helped me out with getting one. And I think the longest training ride, I've told Pete, Pete this before, cause we've talked about, um, like how I ended up riding gravel and, you know, he's a Canyon sponsored athlete and I was working at Canyon when we met and he was just like, how long did you ride before you did that race? Like the longest training ride was like 40 miles. <laughs> and it's like a hundred and how far is Belgium awful? 128 or something. I don't know. I get like confused between anything over 120 and 150 or like, I, whatever. When you're saying Pete, you're talking about Pete Stetna, former world tour. Yeah. That guy who like rides a lot more. Yeah, for, um, our privateer, our privateer friend who, whenever I hear the word privateer, ever since I like looked it up, and helped him out with his FKT stuff last summer in the San Diego stop. It means pirate. So I always think of him as like a pirate. <laughs> with an eye patch. With one patch. <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, I think it's really fun to think of privateer that way rather than like somebody just like doing it on their own. Yeah. Anyhow, so got myself a cyclocross bike, trained a little bit, did this race, was way in over my head because the women start right in the front. I didn't know anything about what was going to happen. And I like absolutely blew up on the top of like, I don't know, this, this canyon, you probably know it called Black Canyon. I think it's like 30 miles into the race. Well, your longest training ride was 40 miles. So, <laughs> yeah. So I kind of regrouped and sat there for a while, literally with my feet up on a chair for like 20 minutes, waiting for a friend who had to start in like a different wave. They never showed up. They, they finished the race, but I started riding my bike because I was like, well, I guess I better start pedaling to get to the finish line if I'm going to make it. And I ran into these people who I rode for the next, um, not like ran into, but like started riding with them, um, three other guys for the rest of the whole race. Like we stuck together through flat tires, like if someone needed to rest. Um, I still keep in touch with those guys to this day. And uh, like, they really made it inviting for me and fun. Otherwise I would have just absolutely, like who knows, maybe I would have hated gravel and never wanted to do it again. So it was like running into these cool people who were kind of embody the spirit of why I like to do gravel racing now and gravel riding and like long distance riding is it you kind of just make it fun and make it your own. I think um, Kevin had uh, like a boom box in his jersey <laughs> playing music. And uh, Matt who uh, looked like he was, um, like a really fit athlete. He told me later, he's like, I wasn't even planning on racing this, but Kevin talked me into it. And here I am, I'm just doing it. I'm like, dang, just, just, just decide the night before to enter a 130 mile race. Like these people are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Says the person that had trained for 40 miles before. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I don't know. That might be one of those hot calling the kettle black moments. <laughs> 
passed me and they're like, jump on. And I was like, there's no way I could keep up with them. I had like big tires, you know, and like knobbly tires, like whatever the bike came with for racing cyclocross. And then there was like a downhill. And of course I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to like, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go. And cause anytime there's a downhill, I just like love to use my extra momentum. I feel like I have like extra speed somehow. It just propels me. So I went past them and then they caught up to me and they're like, that was really cool. You went down that so fast. And I'm like, I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So that was my introduction to, to gravel racing. Is that long? <laughs> oh, it's great. I'm glad we got to hear the whole, the whole thing. Cause yeah, it's made me not like laugh in all the good ways. Like you are insane. That's amazing. <laughs> so. And now I love to go out for like five or six hour rides and explore new places. And I would never have, I would never see these places if I didn't have a gravel bike. Yep. I wouldn't want to do it on a cross country bike. I would definitely not do it on an enduro bike because I would be bored because there's a lot of like, you know, fire road. And on a road bike, I find myself kind of doing the same thing, but gravel bike, like you can go down anything. I even rode down like a bike park in Big Sky last summer you know, and they're just like super fun bikes. And I'm really glad that I found them. They are. They're great. And the fact like you can be riding along on some pavement, if you've got your gravel bike with you and you see a cool road, you just go check it out. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then like, if it's really steep, it's okay. You're not going to slide like road bike tires. Yeah. And then, and then if it's like really, really steep uphill, you have the right gears because you can go up and then you can still kind of hang with people when you, if you see them on the road. Yeah. So like totally alienating yourself. <laughs> yeah. It's the, it's kind of a one size fits all bike. It really is. And as close, as close as I think you're going to get. So, especially if you look at like, let's look at like free riding over here, which is basically like this people listening can probably understand what Red Bull Rampage is. Yes. There you um, go. Right. You got like that over here and then like downhill racing is kind of over here. And then you got like enduro and got cross country. Then you have uh, maybe like adventure riding and then you have like gravel and then you get like cyclocross road over here. Um, it's like a good happy medium. We need that as a diagram and a graphic for <laughs> girls going gravel, Catherine. Like, I know. <laughs> where we fit. The you crazy know, people that go straight downhill <laughs> and the roadies. You're like the evolution man, like the monkey guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gravel, the gravel woman. <laughs> yeah, because like you're upright on a downhill bike, and then you slowly get <laughs> slowly get more down. <laughs> more but, arrow. Oh, well, we, we have to end with triathletes then. Yeah, I was just gonna say, but I heard something about arrow bars got uh, banned. Is that a thing? Not in gravel. Yeah, but they should be. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're stepping right into the fire. I thought you wanted to avoid controversial subjects. <laughs> I just think they look funny. I'm sure they work better. And who knows? I might not like them, but I might use them at some point. But I just I, think I will tell you the the reason the arrow bars largely came into the gravel world had nothing to do with speed, but Was had comfort? to comfort. It had to do with like on those long rides, giving yourself yourself another position to move to when you're out there for 200, 300 miles. So 
yes, there's obviously some um, benefit to them when you're riding into a, a pretty heavy headwind, especially in Kansas. But right. really, they they came from the mindset of I can I can now rest on my forearms, right, and be in a different position for a while and give my hands and wrists a break. Mm. So that is the first time I've heard that explanation. Well, and you're not like that. What the, this type of training and riding that like a lot of these people are doing, they're by themselves, so they're not endangering other athletes around them. You know, oh, right? Because that could be a thing. Because you don't have. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. yeah. And if I'm in a, you know, if, if, you know, the other thing too with it is if I'm in a pace line where there's somebody in their, um, arrow bars, I've had no, no problem looking over at them and saying, this isn't the time to be in your arrow bars. Can you please get up on your hoods or something? <laughs> I mean, they can be in their arrow bars, but not in the crew. Like they can go by themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That makes sense. That would really crash behind somebody like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think Belgium waffle ride is a ride to trial arrow bars. <laughs> For sure. I, I think that we were joking around uh, amongst people after a ride sometime. And it was like, we were going to show up with like some hokey clip on ones that you can just like take off, you know, like clip on earrings, just to, yeah. just to like make people think you were going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep it lighthearted, right? We don't want to make it too serious here. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I yes, I agree. It's yeah. all, all for fun. So, are, do you still work for Canyon? Uh, no, I um, do not. I kind of transitioned from COVID happening to no events happening to like less work happening to then just becoming a full time athlete. Nice. How's that going? Um, you know, it wasn't my plan to become an athlete again, like a professional athlete by any means. I just wanted to work in the bike industry and I wanted to be one of the very few women that work in the bike industry that are trying to make a difference however we can with our perspective. And having spent most of my career around bikes, I felt like this was a wise decision to probably stick with it. Um, it's a hard industry to be in. And so if you kind of like get in, you probably good to try to stick it out as long as you can. Um, so becoming an athlete again was kind of not my plan, <laughs> but I have been encouraged by all of my sponsors, um, to really just give it a go. And I have enough uh, financial backing to, to kind of help me get there this year and next year. So it's hard for me to say no. Um, That's awesome. I'm so new to this that I feel like it's like, uh, I don't really have a reason to say no because I don't know enough about why I wouldn't want to do it. And it's really fun exploring new ways for me to um, kind of see how far I can push myself, see what I'm really made of mentally, like just see what's up. Because before it was always, you know, downhill racing and like, how far can I jump? And like, how fast can I go, you know, sprinting? And so it's just another way for me to just really love bikes again. Yeah, I think is what I feel like. And if I can, I guess even remotely inspire anybody, then that's a super bonus too. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, I'm curious about with, within the bike industry, I, I had a little stint in the bike industry. What are some of the things that you want to see change in there? I would like more women in the product development. Mm -hmm. I would like more women working at bike shops who are knowledgeable. Um, I would like 
more women interested in having uh, their voice in meetings heard. Um, I would like more maybe like uh, women interested in, in coaching in, in having women ride better, just in general, like more women involved in the sport as a whole, I think would really help propel us seen as um, an equal and a valuable person to invest in, uh, you know, if you want a high-end bike for a woman, but they're not selling, my idea a long, long, long time ago, this was like when I first stopped racing, I coached for almost two years straight because I felt like that'd be a good way for me to try to get back and help women actually maybe ride over the logs or go down the hill and not walk because people were saying women are not buying the high-end mountain bikes. And I was like, well, maybe they don't realize the benefits of them because they're not there yet. Um, so I was like, in a roundabout way, if we teach them to ride, if we teach people to ride better, maybe they'll buy this stuff that's nicer because they'll recognize the benefit. Mm -hmm. So it's like every little aspect of there being just more of us and having more visibility, I think would help. Mm -hmm. That makes sense <laughs> for sure. <laughs> like that whole, if you can see it, you can be it. It falls back into that. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, growing up the way that I did in such a male dominated sport, you know, um, and also now I think it's way less now, but still the bike industry is heavy on the male side. It's because it's not a very attractive sport to a lot of women, um, from the outside, they have to be introduced to it by people who are wanting to make it inviting. So if there's more of us, I feel like it'll just be more inviting to be in the industry working in the corporate side or you know behind the scenes at the bike shop or coaching on trails or you get what i'm saying yeah 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 well and there's a, a really important piece of that with the product development uh i was actually listening to uh the company that produces our podcast produces one called if we were writing with sarah true and sarah gross mm -hmm. and sarah true i think she writes for specialized but she helps with some product development and she was like i realized that I was saying like, trying to be very like nonchalant in my description, like, I think maybe the nose needs to come down when she was really like, what's really happening is it's rubbing up against my clit. Like, I need you to, like fix this. and she's like, I need to start saying that, right? Like, it's uncomfortable to say that, but they need to hear that from women. Yeah, there's, there's definitely like specific things that have happened uh, in my timeline where companies have tried to make the grips smaller or like the frames, actual different sizes. And I know that this is a hot topic debate, but I don't really believe that we need like completely different frames. I think we just need components that help the frame fit yep. better. Um, because again, women and men, yeah, we're shaped differently, but if you look at men, they're shaped differently from each other too. So there's just, I think we need to pay more attention to the details and not like, just like, oh, we'll just make them their own frames and paint it purple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm 5'10", so I'm always like, just show me the cast. Oh, I always wanted to be your height when I did hurdles. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, okay. I I have another question um, and then I want to get into what your, what your gravel privateer life is like, but um because we like one of the big things I take a lot of groups of beginner women out and downhill 
it's always like so stressful for people when they're getting started. So what are your tips for writing strong on the downhill? That is a great question. Um, I am thinking right now, the best tips I could give you are really the most basic ones that people tend to overlook. Um, I could go into detail about lots of stuff, but I think that you need to get your basics down. And some of the first couple of things that, that I would teach people in a group before we even head out onto the trails were things that you could do in a grassy field or like a dirt parking lot, just to get your skills honed in for actually applying it to the place that's scary. So, so all the stuff I'm about to tell you, it's a really good idea to practice it and get used to it before you get to the scary spot where like your brain's not working and you don't want to do it, practice it then. So um, looking ahead, I know it sounds really obvious, but you need to look ahead and not down at your tire. Look where you want to go. Cause if you look where you don't want to go, cause I know it's really fun to look at the thing that you don't want to hit just to make sure you know where it is. <laughs> But then you hit it. <laughs> but then you usually go straight for it. So it's really hard to not look at the scary thing, but don't look at the scary thing. Look where you want to go. Another thing that people need to remember is their feet. Uh, when you're going downhill, you need to make sure that your pedal, and this is if you're clipped in or if you're on flat pedals, like not clipped in, you have to make sure to drop your heels. Because if you just ride downhill, right? You, now your toes are pointed down. Yeah. Which makes it really easy to get thrown forward. That makes sense. I've never yeah. heard that one before. Another one is always have uh, one finger covering the brakes. Not two. Just one. <laughs> Just one. You mean, wait, you're saying don't go downhill with a death grip on the brakes. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's better to have like in case you need it but people want to make sure they use it like a dimmer switch, not like a light switch. So getting used to slowly, gradually putting your brakes on, having your heels dropped and looking forward, those are all really good things to keep control once things kind of get out of control. But um, there's things like, you know, aligning your hips with your shoulders. Like you, you should never be turning, but your hips this way kind of thing. Um, there's other things like, you know, getting your elbows out. I always say, um, you want to make sure your hands are on the outside of your shoulders and straight down. That's a good handlebar width. So there's lots of tips out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Obviously you did downhill on mountain bike, but I think like all those things apply to gravel bikes. Too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, oh, I, yeah. I use them more on the gravel bike because it's more sketchy, which is why it's really fun yep. for me because I'm on like a rigid bike with the skinny tires. So I'm definitely applying all those skill sets. Yeah. yeah. I'm the queen of going downhill really fast. And like, we have um, these really shady routes, not shady, like, <laughs> like there's lots of, sh there's trees. So they're shady. Right. <laughs> and, um, and then all of a sudden I'm like, I just went straight through a pothole. Cause I didn't see it. Cause it was like shaded. Oh, so I'm like always hover just a little bit over the saddle. Yeah. Cause you never know what you're going to hit. Cause <laughs> that way you don't break anything important down south. <laughs> what do you, do you wear clear lenses? Like, is it that dark? Uh, well, my eyesight's not so good. <laughs> oh no. But if it's like very shaded and then the gravel is like here, yeah. the gravel is like a pretty light color. So all of a sudden you can just be like, bam, right on top of a pothole. 
Um, so my friend Claire's like, I learned how to bunny hop them. I'm like, I'm not that coordinated. <laughs> you know, you bring up a really good point is uh, like your eyewear. Um, mm-hmm. I, am, I am like adamant about what lenses I use because if I can't see, then I have to slow down. And then like any little fun aspect of a trail now is not fun because you're yeah. slowing down. It's like the right tint. But um, this actually brings up a good point is um, I think I'm going to start doing like little quick like tips every week or maybe every couple weeks somewhere out there. I think Jiro might help me out with it, but I need to start. I a place you could fighting. do it. Yeah, we've got a place you could do it. We've got some people that would be interested in learning these things. There's just like all this knowledge and I, I'm kind of learning about the gravel knowledge, but I'm sure there's some of it that could like cross over. Oh, there's a oh, lot. I think, yeah, I think it all crosses over mostly, yeah. really. Um, and like you said, the thing about those tips that you were giving for downhill, although they like are largely apply to a mountain bike, the gravel bike is even more beneficial because it is so rigid that doing those things gets you in a much better position to to be secure. Right. Yeah, I know you you're nailing it. Yeah, because like the more sketchy the bike, the more you mm-hmm. have to be there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and and I because I like I said I take a lot of beginners out and the downhill is always like super terrifying yeah. first. And it was for me as well. I went over my handlebars at 30 miles an hour going downhill <laughs> um, on my tri bike. So, but once you kind of get over it and learn it, it's really fun to go downhill. Right. Um, I was going to say, you can always check tire pressure too. And then like, see like where, if you're taking people out, sometimes they don't even, they can't even get their brakes. Like yeah. they don't even realize they're like in a bad spot. Yeah. Yeah. So like, those, those types of things. Cause I'm sure if you're showing people around, you don't want them to crash. Cause then you <laughs> that is not a good way to start. <laughs> right. Your gravel career. Then no one wants to ride with you. <laughs> it's actually, I swear every time I take people out on a group ride, I fall off my bike. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always like when I'm stopped at a stop and I'm just like talking and all of a sudden I'm like, boom. And I just fall over. I'm like, yeah, fell off my bike again, not moving. <laughs> well, I bet you're making people feel like, less yeah, I'm like, this is fall, guys. This is falls. it's okay to fall. Yeah. It's like, I, mean, I fell in a gravel race recently, right in front of everyone. <laughs> yeah. It happens. You get back yeah. up. Yeah. And that, that way, everybody kind of gets away from you a little bit. So you've got more. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm always yelling like Back away from Kathy. She's going to take people out. <laughs> you know, what's really funny about that crash I had in Cedar city was that it was, a uh, well, for anyone listening, I'm talking about the Belgium waffle ride Cedar city. And we started it as a big group. It was really dusty. It was hard to see. There were like three crashes already. I almost like hit, hit two of them. Like I was riding the top tube at one point, like swerving. And so we were coming off pavement onto dirt and I wanted to make sure that I did my due diligence and told people there was a sharp 90 degree turn coming. And, you know, Pete almost crashed. And one of the things too, ironically, like helped me avoid one. Uh, But I was like, cool, I'm going to go way over here. The turn's going that way. So if there's crashing over here, I'll be here. But I guess in road racing, what happens is you don't want to be on the outside of a big turn because you get pushed out. Well, I didn't know that. And so I got fully just like pushed out into like deep gravel and I hit the deck so hard. Oh. 
Mm-hmm. It made the race really exciting and very dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you're just doing your part. You're you just doing your part. Make sure that there's a good storyline, you know, and, and just in case <laughs> they needed that. <laughs> in case it got boring. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. So everyone crashes is what I guess I want to say is like, you're not, no, no one's above like making a mistake and crashing. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, you started 2018 was your first gravel race with the Belgium waffle ride. Was that what it was? 2019. Okay. So last year was yeah. a little bit of a bust of a season. Yeah. Uh, so what, what, what's, what do you have going on this year? Like, what are your plans and what are you Sounds like you're trying to do beyond just racing, but also make an impact in the community. Tell us what else going on in 2021. Well, there's actually a lot going on. Um, I have signed on with some companies who I'm really excited to work with because we have similar ideas of how to really kind of exist in the bike industry as a professional athlete. And it's not just about the racing. Um, That's like more of a, that's a me thing. It's a, Personally, I love racing and it's exciting as a goal to have, but there's so much more to do in the bike industry other than train and race, which really, I think for the most part, keeps everyone busy if if they're at least trying a little bit of, of, of some of that stuff. Um, right now, we're doing a podcast. <laughs> we are, yes. <laughs> um, I've been trying to do more of those. Um, I've also... Uh, come up with some fun like content creating activities that will happen this summer on my bike which will hopefully not be just you know racing it'll be like oh look at this thing happening this adventure um can't go into details too much uh just in case if it doesn't happen (laughs) (laughs) in case another global pandemic gets (laughs) yeah i don't want anybody taking my ideas (laughs) (laughs) but generally, um, I just hope that I can, I want to make an impact in gravel racing as a person, I guess, from the outside, I'm not a road racer. I didn't come in as like a well-known gravel athlete or road racer. I have this different perspective that comes from mountain biking. And I really think that that could be a fun addition to the cast of characters that we have in gravel racing right now. It kind of like makes it more inclusive there's more of like people from mountain biking that might want to come into the sport. Maybe road road riders will find it interesting to have a different person out there with a different skill set. I've been having a lot of fun videotaping and figuring out what gravel bikes can and can't ride on, limitations wise. <laughs> um, I'm I'm really excited to get a cross country bike from Canyon, which I should be getting pretty soon. And I'm going to go do some exploring on the cross-country bike. Might do some cross-country racing. Might do some heavy bike packing on the cross-country bike. Um, Might uh, do some cool stuff on the enduro bike. Um, So there's like I dirt jumper sitting in the garage. I want to go do a bunch of pump track dirt jump stuff. So I'm going to try to stay as busy as I can with like all the bikes that Canyon has. Nice. And with all the sponsors I'm working with. Um, to hopefully do different things like next week there's a Juro uh, photo shoot for a clothing collection coming out and then there's a couple film projects happening 
for this new squad. I'm not going to really call it a team, but a group of fun people that we're going to be doing things together for the next year. Um, so that'll be fun to do and kind of introduce myself. And then those guys are going to introduce themselves and then make fun activities happen. Nice. That's awesome. I love Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what you what you come up with. <laughs> yeah, there's really like no end to what you can do. I mean, you have the you can reach everyone in the whole world via the internet, right? So it's like, okay, back in the day, it was just you had a website that you like tried to update with words and stories and maybe some pictures. And now you have YouTube, you have GoPro cameras, you have like uh, uh, e-bike racing or Zwift racing. You have, um, yeah, well, Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's just like so many possibilities. You could just reach everybody. It's kind of hard to try to figure out um, like an avenue to stick to, I guess. It's true. Well, speaking of Instagram, where can people follow you or find you? Because I'm sure everybody wants to follow along with all these adventures that are about to happen. Yeah. If anybody's looking for me on social media, I am just Kathy Pruitt. It's K-A-T-H-Y-P-R-U-I-T-T. That's my Instagram handle. And uh, that's a great way to see what I'm up to. I, uh, I don't have a YouTube channel. I'm debating about that. I don't know a big undertaking <laughs> um but i think that would be the best way and you guys anybody has questions they can reach out to me there if they're like curious about bike tips or just general you're gonna have all these people reaching out like so how do i go downhill <laughs> i love giving i love giving people advice because i feel like you know if you're thinking about doing it and you ask that means you're like on the precipice of probably gonna do it you yeah. have a bit of advice Okay. Well, you all heard that. And when anybody put that out there early in the podcast, she got lots of people that reached out. So Kathy would like you to reach out and get all of her downhill skills. Maybe we'll even talk her into doing a little something for our internal community. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be super fun. Um, yeah. So, and then do, will we see you at any of the big race start lines if they go off? Yes, I hope so. I, I went through the whole list and as people keep saying, it's like a moving target. It's like, yeah, you know, there, some of them are being rescheduled. Some of them are not. Um, I did, uh, two races last year. <laughs> so I'm hoping I can do at least more than two, <laughs> but I'm signed up for all the big events. Um, I'm really looking forward to the, the, um, Unbound and also the Belgian waffle rides. And also I signed up for, I get it wrong every time. I'm going to get it wrong right now. Um, the Trans Rockies Gravel Royale. Oh, the Gravel uh, Royale. Yeah. I get they're, that? They're, they're a sponsor of our podcast right now. Okay. Yeah. So I love riding in Canada and I saw they were going to have this event and I was like, I have to go because it's going to be amazing. And I mean, then you're racing in it, but like, you're just looking at all the stuff that you buy all day. I know. I know we were, we actually interviewed somebody, uh, it's coming out tomorrow. So it'll be out when this podcast comes out, uh, that Riot has ridden that course on like their mountain bike. 
events and it sounded christy and i were both like we really oh yeah but right now there's this whole like two-week quarantine thing with canada yeah, exactly so i uh in the north carolina bwr got rescheduled the same kind of time frame so i i can't do one or the other so if they decide to not make it feasible for people to come into canada then i'll just not be able to go but that's okay. There's, there's always next year. It's not going anywhere. So. That's okay. Yeah, I uh, I know. I feel like I should have like a whole list of events. I could I could like list them off, but I don't know if anybody's that. It's okay. We'll find you. <laughs> we'll find you on Instagram and stalk you. Well, Kathy, yeah. thank you so much for your time today, and um, we've had fun learning all about your crazy start with motorcycles to gravel. Awesome. Yeah, you never know what your path is going to take you into. You just have to kind of be open to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you again for joining us. Thanks, ladies, for having me on. Um, it's fun. It's good. It's good to finally like chat with you and see you. I know we've been trying to do this for a couple months. So. <laughs> yeah, we got it done. Yeah, nice work. I hope uh, everybody has a great week ahead. Thanks. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.